I have to say, this is... Kind of classy. Kind of organized. Kind of makes you wonder why you ever doubted me before. The night is young. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right, and we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. All right, we're now at the theatre. Yep. I would like to ask you something, Shauna. Yeah. Theatre, for you guys, isn't it spelt with an E-R at the end? Uh, so, like, I think it's like movie theatre. If it's like a more of a high-class event, we do the R-E. Oh, really? But if it's like movie theatre, the movie theatre, yeah, then that's oh. an E-R, I believe. Oh. But, like, the ballets, the symphony, it's like a more high-class event. So oh. we, we go with the, uh, the fancier spelling. Okay, because we spell theatre regardless with an R-E at the end. Okay. So when I saw that okay. up on the on the facade, I thought, oh, that's interesting how it's spelt with an R-E and not E-R. Yeah, it changes. Hmm, okay. Depending um, on. The extras, again, just like in Portrait of Maddie, it's funny, you know, it looks like the same lady now that I think about it. Might not be, I don't know. But the lady in pink, he parks the car, he runs inside and she stops. She just stops in the middle oh, of the footpath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. And then when he's inside, she kind of continues crossing. Yes. And I was wondering if it was the same person or not. Yes, yeah. it is. So I checked on that, and that's fine. She walks past, and then that couple that was behind her, the lady in the yellow top, they walk past uh-huh. while he's talking to the ticket seller. Um, in a timely manner, like they walk past when they should have, as, as in timing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, okay. it's just something I notice all the time that she looks like she doesn't know what to do. She sort of stops. But afterwards, it's good. Yeah. She goes past and the couple go past in the right timing. Do you okay. recognize the location? So while they were down in that area, I guess they just found three locations that are pretty close to each other. The parking garage, Olympic Auditorium, where the boxing happens at the end, and this Trinity Auditorium at the Embassy Hotel, they're all on Grand mm-hmm. Avenue in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the Embassy Hotel that had this auditorium inside it, um, that was 851 South Grand. 
the real parking garage is called Joe's Auto Parks in Los Angeles. And there's many of those locations. But you'll see when in the parking garage, they just put like a sticker over it to change the name. But it's the same emblem that they use for this Joe's Auto Parks. And that's at 812 South Grand. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Olympic Auditorium is at 1801 South Grand. So they were just like, I mean, it totally makes sense, right? Like, we're going to use this one area of town. So fine. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they probably knew they were going to use Olympic Auditorium. When Jay Daniel, remember, was on the podcast, he talked about like, oh, you're doing a boxing. That's like the first place you think of, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where boxing and wrestling happens. So yeah, they probably knew they were using Olympic and they were like, find a parking garage and a theater near there. So they're, they're all in grand, but different addresses. I must admit, I did look up the 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 parking structure on the, it's on the corner. Yeah, yeah, I uh-huh. I did look that up because I did I actually I did put the um addresses somewhere, but anyway, that makes sense. I mean, it is expensive to go on location, so I guess you know they might have to close down a street or something or whatever they've got to do and get out of there quick. So it's better yeah. if they're all in one place instead of traveling a long way, like they did with um Lady yeah. in the Iron Mask. <laughs> oh gosh i know yeah. way outside the city for that an hour and so, a yeah, half grand uh, and you know probably all of the, the equipment right parking all the trucks the equipment everything like bringing everything downtown yeah you want everything to be in one central location so like yeah now i looked up the embassy hotel trinity auditorium i don't think it's i don't think it's in business anymore but i'm not sure it's something else yet i think it's kind of sitting empty and you can kind of see the shell of what it used to be or maybe those are old pictures and they, you know, fixed it up for the show. It wasn't being used at the time. I don't know. But anyway, I saw some like pictures of it looking a little bit dilapidated, but you could see the bones of how they used it in the show. I you looked know. up the Olympic Auditorium. That's the only thing I did. Google, I don't know if it's true, but Google says that a church bought the entire building. Okay. The building itself is there, but it's being used for something else now. Yeah, it says here, oh, this is, yeah, I did do it. I thought I didn't, but I did. Yeah, 1801 South Grand Avenue, Los Angeles. It was built in 1924, the Olympic Auditorium. In 2005, the Glory Church of Jesus Christ, a Korean-American Christian church, purchased the entire property. Although the name Grand Olympic Auditorium ceased to exist, many locals and longtime residents of Los Angeles still refer to the property by its former name. That's the info okay. I got. I don't know if it's current or not but that's what uh-huh. I found out. Well, yeah. So those are the locations uh, they use Hull on Grand Avenue. I love it. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. David, um, like we were saying back in that day, he had to run around to about 15 different places and, mm. you know, to him, it's like, oh, how can I, all of this, these shows be sold out when like, this is the most boring. He's like, is this what I think it is? You know, um, old, old people like playing instruments. Like, why are these all sold out, you know? But but I like when um, he first runs in, he says, I need two tickets for the best you got, preferably between the bases. Now, is that a baseball term? That's baseball reference. Okay. That's um, between the bases, yeah. Um, Pre- preferably between the bases. Well, that would be like a good like good seating, I guess. Yeah. In a, at a baseball game if you're between the bases. Otherwise, you're in the outfield, like far away from the action. So I guess that's what he means. Oh, okay. I've been to a baseball game. Yes, I went okay, to see yeah. the Dodgers at the Dodgers Stadium. And, yeah, the Dodgers uh, team is cool. Yeah, and now yeah. I couldn't tell you where we were sitting, but it wasn't what he's saying. <laughs> but it was a really bases? good. Ex- it was a really good experience. I really liked it, and I really, you know, what I love about I love baseball. baseball is that I don't understand the rules. I sorry, <laughs> but I get I've got a yeah. general idea. But I yes. love how 
it comes up on the screen that it revs up the spectators. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's so it's good. Fun to be there. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. I love that. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's kind of, yeah, you just up there, relax, get your food, your drink, and sit and watch the game. And Yeah. yeah. Went with my daughter escape, back in escape. 2016, and they won the game at the mm. last minute. It was so good. I taped the whole thing. Oh, good. But I booked the tickets before we even left Australia. I had that all organized. Mm-hmm. Um, we just caught yeah. we got an Uber there. But, oh, yeah, we had a really good mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Anyway, just thought oh, I'd. I'm glad, I'm glad you've been. Yeah, it's fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. We just went to a baseball game last Monday. Yes, I saw that. You had a good time? Giants. Yes. Yes, it was nice. Nice evening. So the part that I love here is when uh, David says, how about me and my date, you know, just calling Maddie his date. You say, boy, is my face red to, <laughs> to folding chairs on the aisle, bottle of champagne. Yeah. You could think of a worse way to make, make 100 bucks. bucks. Yep. But he says, me and my date. You know, so, oh, Maddie's his date, man. Oh. Maddie is his date. How ah. exciting is that? I mean, come on, David. Like, for him to even say that, it's like, wow, he's going on a date with Maddie. Yeah, it's a, a real date. How about this? I show up with my date, 8.30. You say, boy, is my face red. I gave your tickets to somebody else named David Addison. You apologize profusely. You get us a couple folding seats on the aisle, complimentary champagne. You think of a worse way to make 100 bucks? The fact that it's come out of but, his mouth is just amazing, that he's going on a date with I me. I love it. It's great. But this guy's not having it, Grace. I'm sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I can't help you. That's all he says through the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) He's the most unhelpful. And if everything's sold out, why are you sitting there selling tickets? Yeah, why are you standing there? (laughs) Yeah, probably for future events, but. Just going back to what you said. Yeah, I agree. I really love when he says. Who comes to see this stuff? Are we talking about the same thing? A bunch of old guys sitting around playing boring instruments. You never know when to applaud. Which is so true. <laughs> you never know when to applaud. Yeah, that is yeah true. because yeah. classical music stops for a couple of seconds and then it continues, especially the Beethoven symphony that they play in this episode. It does stop. I actually um, listened to it on YouTube recently just to have a mm. listen to the whole thing because mm. it goes for a long time, over yeah. half an hour. It's huge. Yeah. Not like three-minute yep. songs we have now. <laughs> no. Uh, David goes outside. It seems like he's kind of giving up. But, gosh, how can he give up? He's got, like, uh, a date with Maddie. But, anyway, you can see that the sign that is outside the theater is a mm. moonlighting props-created sign and a relic, Grace, mm. a relic from the 80s, 90s, whatever, when we used pay phones and you had to have coins in your pocket. And- I know. As usual, he has a quarter ready. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always had change on me to use the payphones. I don't know about you guys. Maybe it was more here. I wonder if that payphone was really there. And I know that. I wonder that myself. Don't know. I know because it's like in My Fair David, like when, you know, they call Mrs. Graydon and the payphone's yeah. kind of in the middle of the note. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, did they just but have that, a payphone that they placed? Yeah. But that one with yeah. My Fair David seems more realistic because they had to drive to it and everything. But this seems a bit too convenient that it's right outside the mm-hmm. theater. True. That's true. That's true. Who knows? Yes, I would love to know, but I don't know if we'll ever know because I'm sure it's long gone. Mm. So David does like a fake illness to Maddie, you know, or acts like he's in the emergency room or something like that. But he's saved at the last minute by the scalper. Yay. I love how he whistles to him to get his attention with two tickets for him. Yep. The end of Berkeley. 
And, of course, this is what you wanted to talk about, the tickets. He puts his hand up and then it cuts to the scalper's point of view and he's holding up the tickets with David in the background. Now, the tickets, they say the musical hall presents Pan Pacific Symphony Orchestra, which is what the sign says at the front, but the tickets are C2 and D3. And we'll talk about that later. Why it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. What did you want to say about it? Oh, yeah, that just uh, wider on the tickets don't match with the later scene, which we will, I guess, say when we get to, right? Yes, indeed. Um, Yeah, so it's a minor sprain. um, (laughs) David will be there as a goofball. (laughs) What's Maddie thinking on the other end of the phone? Oh, Maddie? Um, You know, is she just so used to him that she's just like, ah, this guy. Now what's wrong? Stop the theatrics. Stop the theatrics. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I wonder if she's feeling like, oh, like disappointed for a moment or if she's just like, oh, it's David. He's being goofball or. She would have been getting organized. Okay. Was she at home when he called her? I guess so. Right. I don't know why, but I'm trying to picture Maddie. Actually, that doesn't make sense. Still at work. Um, Was she still at work? Was she? Hang on. Yeah. The whole, a whole car thing. The whole car thing doesn't totally like he has the car. Yeah. And then later he comes in a limo. So where's the car later? And how'd Maddie get home? Oh, okay. First <laughs> okay. of all, hang on, back the truck back. So okay. he leaves the office. It's still daytime. He's taken the beamer to the theater. Yes. But then he's yes. ringing Maddie. She would still be at work. So he spent the whole afternoon running around town. That takes a while. 15 places around Los Angeles. All right. Okay. Maybe it's late afternoon. Maybe she's gone home early to get ready for the theater. Yeah. Or get, get ready for that something. Hmm. Maybe he dropped her at home and said, I'll pick you up later. I bet that's what happened. Oh, okay. And then he ran around trying to plan the evening. That's what we've decided, writers. <laughs> that's what we decided. We always have to kind of, you know, fill in the blanks. But then he came back in a limo later, so I guess he left the Beamer at his house and whatever. Maddie, great news. The x-rays are back. It's a minor sprain. I'll see you at eight. Boom. Done. Yep. Done. And then, now we're at Maddie Hayes. Wow, great. The effort she's putting into this date. I know. The shoes, the dresses, the jewelry, the hair, the the excitement. What do you think? Everything. She just looks spectacular. I love the dress that she chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just say, yeah, like all of those shoes and everything. I mean, there's really like some with a pop of color. There's like some hot pink shoes. There's silver shoes. I was looking to see if any of the dresses laid out on the bed were any that we had seen before. You know, like maybe when she did she wear them in another episode or the episode where she was helping Agnes get dressed and they showed a bunch of dresses. But I think they're all dresses we haven't seen before. I don't recognize any of them, except Mm -hmm. I do like that they have the dress that she was wearing that day on the bed as well. So that is there. Okay, I didn't notice that. I just thought it was a bit hard to tell which dresses, so I didn't bother looking too well. Okay, so that's good. That's a good touch that they've done Yes, I like to show that she's taken that dress off and, yeah, and she's put it on the bed. That's very good. Okay. So the other thing I noticed when Maddie's getting dressed and she's got her beautiful gown on, and as you said, the camera pans from the shoes onto the bed and then over to her. But just before you get to her, I'd never noticed this before. In between the bed and when you see Maddie, her mirror has been propped up 
onto bricks. So the legs, the four legs of the mirror are on bricks. Really? It's not actually sitting on the carpet. They've elevated it on bricks. So obviously the mirror wasn't tall enough for Sybil, so they've had to elevate it. But bricks, they're clearly bricks. That is so weird. Can you take a picture? Yeah, I'll take a picture of it now. I'll show you. Okay. Oh, my God. Get out of town, (laughs) as Grace says. (laughs) That's so weird. It's like they've put the feet of the full-length mirror that she's looking in on bricks. So I guess it's yeah. a better height for Sybil. That's weird. Yeah. You're spotting it. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have much time, but, you know, it would have been yeah. better if they'd made a platform of like a step, like a carpeted step and put the mirror on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. So they've yeah. just put the legs on bricks. Yeah. So when you go to watch it again, Moonies, if you watch the ground as the camera pans across, you'll notice yeah. the mirrors on bricks. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, looking at this picture you sent. Yeah, I'm surprised because things are usually pretty finished, you know, like the props department and everything always does such a good job. Yeah. I mean, you'd rarely see something like that, right? So that's interesting. I mean, yeah, it can only think it was a very last minute thing. So yes, that's good what- eye, Grace. Good eye probably was a last minute thing they get the mirror and she's like hang on the mirror's too low (laughs) do something (laughs) yeah it was probably simple it should be right here in the eye level she knows her angles right yes um (laughs) that's funny yeah take a look guys the whole thing's sitting up on bricks interesting well that's a very good catch i like it when Grace, how cute is this i mean look at what point we are in the series like uh, civil (laughs) maddie Sybil, Maddie, it's partly Sybil in the scene. We'll talk about it. You know, there's some Sybil in here and to Bruce. So it is both of them. But yeah, um, she's super excited. I mean, how she's like, you know, making sure she looks right. And she takes that last final breath when the doorbell rings and clasps her hands together. She's nervous. Yeah, I love the little sound she makes. So cute. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? Like, what are we doing? It's cute. I just want to ask, I've never noticed it before. Maybe it's been there the whole time, but where she's standing, there's a doorway there. I've never noticed that doorway before that's next to the bed. Like where the the head is? Hang on. But then again, in Mulberry Street, when she has a bath, she comes through that door. Yes. It's just that when you watch the famous love scene, you can't see it because of the camera angles. It's just something I noticed. I've never noticed that door before in previous episodes. Anyway, just something I noticed. You have to I look noticed. at like a trip to the moon maybe or something. Um, from what I, okay. If you're looking at Maddie's bed, I think there's an entrance to the bathroom and that's behind the bed. I think the bathroom is all back there and there's two entrances that come from either side of the bed okay. into the room. I think that's what I'm picturing in my mind. But it'd be interesting to see if it changes from, from episode to episode. We'll have to look in uh, Mulberry Street. Like Maddie's at, bathroom at her office. Yeah, I know it might change. And I think the decor changes, like what's on her bedside tables. Like this time there's a rock, you know, one of those like rocks that has like all the like crystals inside. Yeah. There's one of those. Um, looks very phallic. There's some kind of statue. You know what? It was missing a framed photo of, of uh, Maddie because... <laughs> Usually she's got framed. See, on the other side, on the other entrance, I think there's a framed photo of her there. I don't know. But anyway, 
And then Maddie just glides down the stairs. You think she has heels on at this moment? She looks like she's running very free and easy. But you can hear click clacks. Now, whether that's added okay. well, um, in post with audio. They may have put that. I think they put that in. She was probably wearing flatties or barefoot, God knows, with our lovely Sib. Yes, I like how she rushes down to open the door and her head's tilted and she's acting all coy as she opens the door and he walks in looking very handsome. <laughs> okay, got to analyse this. Here. Okay, let's analyse. All right. I'm rubbing my hands together. <laughs> in my view. Yes. Okay. Okay, Sybil always gets giddy and kind of wiggly and laugh. She always laughs. Every, you know, remember like the commentary episode of Atomic and, you know, Bruce was making fun of her for like laughing when he was on top of her and <laughs> the shower scene later. <laughs> and, and when he kissed her in the church in Atomic and he's like, look at you, you're laughing. She's laughing here. She's laughing at a character every time they have a scene that it kind of makes her a little bit giddy and like a nervous laugh. And she goes, don't you remember? I always laughed when he kissed me. So I just see Sybil come through here. Like, I think when he opens the door, I think, you know, they've done a couple takes of this. And I think both of them were kind of like in that giddy, nervous laughter stage. You know, I think Bruce is like trying to like hold it together. But Sybil definitely like laughs. Sybil definitely is like laughing out of character here. That's what I see anyway. I see a lot of Sybil, you know, with the, the rose, you know, down down her face and neck and is like the really flirtatious but especially when they first open the door we hope you're enjoying listening to moonlighting the podcast and for all you devoted moonlighting fans out there we now have moonlighting merchandise check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod 2016 to me what it feels like is they've been kind of like being playful and laughing and this isn't the first take so every time maybe every time they did it before they were kind of laughing i don't know if so, I'd love to see some bloopers. But um, anyway, what are your thoughts? When I watch it, I don't know whether I feel she's out of character. I just feel that it's Maddie getting her hopes up that she's going to have a great evening with David. I know what you mean. It looks like it's Sybil reacting, but I don't know. It's, it could be a bit of both. I don't know. Because it, it doesn't seem like a normal Maddie behaviour to be so coy and happy with him. And that's when she says, have yeah, we true. met, obviously, to explain true, that. because he looks so dapper. Have we met? Yeah, they're, they're kind of like, you know, being two different characters. Like, let's not be each other. Let's not be ourselves. Let's be like people who are going on a fun date and make this fantasy happen for me. You know, yeah, she has like some high expectations. But I do think if you watch it again, okay, she opens the door. They um, look into each other's eyes. Mm. Bruce, as he's walking in, he looks to the side a little bit and he laughs a little bit and then he pulls himself together. So I think Bruce slightly breaks up a little bit. And then the first laugh that Maddie does, that's hundred percent civil to me. And then the rest is like Maddie. I don't know. Just watch it again and see if you get the impression. Not, not everybody will. So I'm just saying that's me, you know, and the viewers can tell us what they think as well. I see what you mean. Cause it wouldn't have been the first take obviously. And by that stage there. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, not to ruin it for everybody, but <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely there most of the time. But are they there all the time? When we're seeing just the back of Maddie's hair or the back of David's head, do you think that's their stand-in? 
I don't want to think that because David looks, you know, that first look at Maddie, he really looks like he has love in his eyes. And I hate to think that he's just doing that with the, uh, the stand-in. Um, I want to think it's the chemistry between the two yeah. of them. I didn't you know, check the hair, but they normally do a pretty good job with the hair and you sometimes hard to tell. You know, it, it might be them. It might be. I want to believe that it is. Yeah, okay. So it is. Okay. I've I know. Decided. I know. And I know, I, I think some people hate it when we try, when we point out, cause it takes them out of the show a little bit when we point out like, oh, they weren't there, you know? Yeah. But, but it's only a very short scene. So you would think surely like, please yeah. just stay there they, and do the scene. I know. They could do the over the shoulders, I know. Yes. <sighs> Let's hope. Let's say they did, Grace. Yeah. I've made that decision. I've made the executive decision and nobody's going to change it. Okay. I'm co-signing that decision <laughs> and thank you. Case closed. <laughs> so what a cute scene, huh? I mean, it's really the first time we ever really see them go out on a date and pick her up, give her a rose, in a tux, got a limo. You know, he's doing all the right things. I really love how. When he gives her the rose. Don't throw it in the trash till after I've left. <laughs> and, it, great. and it's a really nice touch how she caresses her neck with the rose. It's really sensuous, you know. The very sexy scene. Um, very sexy scene. Like I get excited watching it. Like I get, you know, just like, oh, I get giddy myself. You yeah. know, just watching them like. I know it's not them, but I would have loved it if he had said she looked beautiful. I know. It's, but it's yeah. not them, you know? So. I get it. I get it. Yeah. They're always, like, withholding their. Yes. Nobody yes. wants to say it first. But, I mean, gosh, he, he tells her she looks hot and sexy all the time, but kind of more in, like, a playful way, I guess. I love how he acts out this scene. Very cool, calm, and collected. Very suave, sophisticated. And the way he looks yeah. at her and he goes, well, and she goes, well. I'm always waiting. I'll get my wrap. Did you say limo? <laughs> it's cute. He's so excited. He's done like so far. Good job, David. Yes, it's a great scene. It's exactly what Moonlighting fans want to see. But how long does that ever last in Moonlighting? And Maddie's even doing a little foreshadowing. The night is young, <laughs> you know, when they're. Yes. She's, <laughs> she's way ahead of it, baby. Yeah, she knows. She knows. <clears throat> but- the other thing I like about this scene is when he tells her the limo's waiting, mm-hmm. he doesn't move. He waits for her reaction. If you look at it, it cuts back to him and she starts to walk away. I'll get my rap. And then she goes, did you say limo? And he hasn't moved. He's just standing there waiting for his reaction. So good. Yeah. Everything he's doing on this date is to impress Matty. Mm. Which I love. Should have thought about that in the future. But anyway... I yes. like how it cuts straight to the limo. Yeah. And again, I mean, and he's highlighting himself like Tara on wheels and all of that, you know, just pointing out like all the like wonderful features of the limo. He's like highlighting, you know, look at this great car I picked you up in and, you know, <laughs> and the champagne and yeah, everything. And, and you know what? Maddie's checking him out. Maddie has, she's feeling it. Tara she's, on wheels. Yeah, she's eyeing him up and down. Yeah. Tara on wheels. Tara on wheels, yes. So that's a reference to Gone with the Wind. Yes. Oh, Ashley. Tara was um, Scarlett O'Hara's house. Her parents' house was um, Tara. Oh, Tara. Yes. (laughs) Not bad, huh? Tara on wheels, a couple of feet longer and we'd be talking statehood. 
Got a TV, bar, a nine-hole golf course in the trunk. Even got a bathtub if we're feeling dirty later on. He's looking very proud of himself, isn't he? And very confident. Sure is. And he's always trying to get her in a bath or a shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's feeling very yeah. full of himself, kind of classy, kind of organized, kind of makes you wonder why you ever doubted me before. And that's when Maddie foresees the future when she says, the night is young. Kind of makes you wonder why you ever doubted me before. The night is young. I like how she says that. The night is young. Yes. <laughs> I'm not quite convinced yet, David. It all seems great. So far, so good. But the <laughs> night is young. Yes. She knows. She knows him too well. And he offers um, her some bubbly. Yes. Champagne. She's very impressed. Uh, now, the champagne, Grace, that mm -hmm. they always drink. I double-checked with our um, fellow Mooney, Kara. She always buys the same champagne that Maddie and David toast with. And they always use this same champagne, you know, like when it was their anniversary and he, you know, or in the end scene when you know, the champagne is going all over, over uh, Maddie and da-da-da. The champagne that they always drink, it's always that same bottle that has the flowers on it. Perrier Jouet Champagne is, a, is how I believe with my American accent that you say it, okay? Yeah, okay. A French person would probably spit on the ground, you know, hearing my pronunciation. But uh, yeah, just that's the type of champagne that they use in all of the scenes in Moonlighting. Pretty expensive. I think it's $115 a bottle. Like he that. went all out, um, didn't he? I know. Well, that's what he bought for their anniversary, you know, when he came in singing for the anniversary. Yeah. So, yeah. Anniversary, uh, aha. That's... <laughs> Kara, who's a big Moonlighting fan. She's a fan of our podcast and just, you know, general Moonlighting. She used to have their same car. She buys the champagne. Really? Um, wow, that's fantastic. Now, that's a true Moonlighting fan. That's great, Kara. Shout out to Kara. Hi. I remember her mentioning in the past that she bought that champagne, so I double-checked with her um, on the name. Okay. So, yeah, if anyone's wondering, that's the champagne they use. Oh, cool. On Moonlighting. I really enjoy how Maddie is looking at David when he's pouring the champagne. Oh, my gosh. She is eating him up with her eyes. And it's interesting here because there is silence for quite a few seconds. Yes. Are we having fine yet? <laughs> at this stage, she doesn't know where they're going yet, does she? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I guess she doesn't. Yeah, that's right, because she's excited when they get there. Like, oh, mm. David. Yep. The symphony. I love it. Oh, by the way, speaking of our fans, um, our yes. listeners, our loyal listeners, Danielle, mm -hmm. who's always giving us little tidbits about the script, mm -hmm. uh, she sent me four pages of the script for Symphony, and this scene in particular in the limo was a bit different than um, the rest. She said, in general, um, for this episode, the script was pretty much true to what was filmed, but for example, there were some changes in dialogue, like the dialogue was moved around. So, you know, when he says to the ticket taker, um, does he bite the heads off of any small animals? Yep. In the original script, David says that line to Maddie in the limo and something else to the ticket taker. So, yeah, there were some changes from script but to screen. I don't understand that. So in what context would he say that in the limo? Because they're not at the symphony yet, unless he tells her in the car that they're going to the symphony. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, you want me to pull up the pages? Got them right here. Oh, okay. Yes, let's have a look. Okay. He offers her champagne. He gets out the glasses. Thought you'd never ask. He pulls the tickets from his coat pocket and offers them to Maddie. 
She hesitates, dubious about what they may be. Don't worry, I had them sterilized after I bought them. Maddie takes them and reads the top, then smiles, wide-eyed, unable to hide how pleased she is. A symphony? Wait a minute. I asked for the cow chip toss. David, Beethoven! Maddie's still looking at the tickets. Um, David correcting David Addison. So instead of David Beethoven, David Addison. That's, you know, they would have pulled it off. But what's in a name? I love Beethoven. Yeah, here he puts on a great concert. You ever bite the head off of any small animals? Maddie, this is wonderful. I can't believe you got tickets. David, I know people in low places. So I guess originally he gave her the tickets in a limo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I couldn't work out in what context he would have said that to her, but that makes sense. So it sounds like they've cut the scene short by just going straight to the theatre. Yeah. And saying, and oh, I love Beethoven. Be surprise, like showing... Yes, yes. So that's what they did. Instead of having that all play out in the car, they get to the theater. And as they're walking in towards the ticket taker, they say those same lines. So they've just moved them around a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you, Danielle, for that. Lovely. That's a nice little tidbit we need sometimes. Thank you to all of our listeners are always um, so helpful to us. Love it. But what does it mean when he says that? Uh, Do you know who Ozzy Osbourne is? Yep. So I think at a concert a long time ago, he bit the head of a bat, I believe it was. God. So just like these metal, these like rock and roller guys, you're kind of wild. Um, and I think that became a thing where he would bite the head of a small animal at a show. So Dave is referring to like metalhead, rock and rollers, you know, wild, you know, like this would be the opposite of that. Right. So he's just kind of joking, like it's a, re- a reference to Ozzy Osbourne, basically. Oh, okay. Because the only thing I could think of was Beethoven, the dog in the movie, you know, Mm. but I've never seen the movie. So anyway, okay. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Cool. And it's good because she's still holding the rose he gave her. Yes. Because it's wonderful. The limousine. This is perfect. Symphony. I love Beethoven. I hear he puts on a good show. <laughs> yeah. Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath, by the way, as well. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I hear he puts on a good show. <laughs> the usher approaches them and gives them a program. First of all, mm-hmm. how do you get a free program? Because I've never been to the theatre and somebody gives me a free program. Put it that way. Or is that included in your ticket? Because we got to pay 30 bucks yeah. when you walk in. So. Oh. Well, <laughs> You get a playbill. Do you get a playbill when you go to the theater that tells no. you all about the show and who's in it? 
it's a big colorful program and you, they're usually about 25 30 bucks i know what you mean in america you've got the little playbill but we yeah. don't have that but that's what he's giving her he's giving her a playbill like just about the performance they do have those like separate you know really colorful like glossy programs and you have to buy those yes but he's just handing her like a playbill okay. for the performance that day okay um okay so the usher yeah. Now, this is where it's confusing. I believe the usher is E. Hampton Beagle, but that's okay. his name. If I'm yeah. wrong, somebody can let me know, but he's known for the China Syndrome, Cocktail, Motel Hell. Yeah, so that's who I believe he is, but the credits on this episode are going to be a little bit out of whack, possibly, because... Yeah, I know. Anyway. It's hard to match everybody up. Yeah. So now, Grace, Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. What the hell is wrong with you? Oh my god! Well, I got so much to say. Okay, so Maddie, like... has, I know, I know, like we both do. Um, so Maddie has like um, an amazing seat, you know, no problem. Like, great, Maddie. Gosh, I mean, front row balcony. Okay. Anyway, the whole scene is funny, and how um, you know, David is like, all right, pops back to the nosebleeds and all of that stuff, you know. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that whole scene. Like David's like, get out of my chair, you know. Anyway, point being, Maddie gets so mad mm-hmm. that David's not sitting right next to her when she, okay, he got her a wonderful seat. It is last minute. Like she knew he only had the afternoon to get tickets. You know, he didn't really realize that they were, you know, the seats were separated. Um, so, you know, maybe if she was pre-warned, she wouldn't get so angry. But it's just like, why is Maddie so mad? I mean, she can't even see David. Like, he's just sitting right there. Just, I mean, yeah, of course, ideally, he'd be, like, sitting next to her. But worse things can happen. Okay, so David is, you know, he's in her eyesight. She still has a great seat. Why is she so mad? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it's showing her true feelings. She really wants him to sit next to her. Yeah, and I get that. I do. Like, ideally, Um, you're on a date. But also she's angry because he always manages to ruin the situation. And you're right, if that was me, you know what, it's a mix-up. You can still see the person. It would be nice if they were sitting next to you, but I wouldn't cause, you know, 100%. You know cause too much trouble, um, especially with a theatre with thousands of people in it, for God's sake. Of course. Hell, I'd want David sitting next to me, so I'd be angry too. Mm. No, but. Absolutely. So, yeah, and maybe she's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, so far, everything is amazing. Yeah. Maybe she's afraid that he will mess it up. So you know how you kind of create what you don't want, what you think you don't want, you know, what you're trying not to create. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's kind of like a psychological thing that like she's kind of going to create the the chaos that she thought David might create anyway. Mm-hmm. And this is the start of it, that they're in separate seats. So Surely she thought it was yeah. too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, there's. I think there's some of that. Yes. There's, yeah, there's and, a little bit of that in there. And Bruce does the astuges things that like, you know, yeah. throws his two fingers at the guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. as soon as she That's finds this people. out, her behavior completely changes because it's been so lovely to see her for about five or 10 minutes, happy, getting dressed to mm-hmm. go out with David, mm-hmm. you know, being so happy and they're having a normal conversation in the limo, having champagne then she realizes mm-hmm. he's not sitting with her and she oh it's amazing she doesn't do her famous grunt you know she gives him a growl doesn't she 
Then you see a wide shot of her in the balcony and him walking down with the usher and he's making out that she's only got two Mm -hmm. days to live or something and that he's her big brother or something. Oh, yeah. That, uh, yes, yeah. she only has two days to live. That, yeah. yeah. So he shows yeah. him to his seat and he says, seat 9A, it's the only empty one. So mm-hmm. that's where there there's a bit of a goof there because the seat is not 9A. Well, it is 9A when you look at it. But the tickets, mm-hmm. what did I say the tickets were? Oh, the tickets were C2 and D3. Yep. So there's a, yeah, there's definitely a ticket mix up because... <laughs> The numbers have changed, even in the Well, um, 9A makes sense because it's in the front row, further down. Yeah. Yeah. We do it the other way around. We go A9. It's the row first. Oh, okay. Sometimes we do that too. Oh, okay. Sometimes we do that too. Yeah. I like how he walks past the lady and says, nice hat. (laughs) Yeah, and she's got this pompous look on her face. Oh, by the way, Grace, um, yes. what we were just talking about. So yep. the tickets had C2 and D3. Yeah. And then they did reverse it to 9A. So they, they are kind of doing it both ways there. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. Funny. Then the Beethoven music begins. Oh, that's so great. How they do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's very it's a very distinctive four note, short long short long type mm-hmm. uh, music. It's often characterized as you know like fate is knocking at the door. That's what yeah, Beethoven right. wanted. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah, it's really good, really good timing. And I like while all this is happening before the music starts, you can hear the instruments they're practicing. Oh yeah, that's right. Can you kind of hear them? Yeah, they're warming up. And uh, Bruce, um, he does that little wave he puts his hand like close to his body and does, does a little the wave. queen's wave that's so bruce that's so bruce <laughs> and maddie's just furious maddie doesn't want to look at him talk to him yep that's- she's just gone from like super happy to just pissed off absolutely pissed off and david keeps trying to get her attention doesn't want a bar of him it's distracting to like everybody in the everybody's doing the whole everyone's faces are you know heads are moving back and forth like just watching the drama and distracted from the music he just makes it worse and worse. Tears up his playbill, you know, throws paper at her. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it's a, bl- it's a bloody good shot right on her cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> Things just start to escalate, right? Everything just goes yeah. completely down. Yeah. It's all yeah. farcical. You see the yes. people in the audience going left, right, left, right, like they're watching a tennis match. Yeah. It's hilarious. Really yeah. good. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. But she is desperately trying to ignore him. Yeah. And then you get the lady behind her because he's trying to say, you know, I'm sorry. And she comes up behind her and says... He says he's sorry, and she yeah. says thank you. You should be. <laughs> and that lady, yeah, her name is May Mami. Yeah, she goes yeah, back to nineteen seventy six. But eight is enough. Rhoda, days of our lives. Yeah, so, but she's mainly known for Charlie's Angels, Moonlighting, Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. So that's May Mami. Yeah, 
like Maddie couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah. Yeah. Like someone had to tell her. He says he's sorry. Um, <laughs> and of course he leans yeah. over too far. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good stunt. The f- when he first yeah. flies over, you can see it's his um the double. Yes. But after that it's him. Yeah. I know, he is hanging there, isn't he? Hmm. Um I don't know how they did that. Yeah. But- I know. Um, I wanted to see if the stunt double was Ki Johnson or Chris. Chris Howell. Yeah, I'll look. I'll look in the credits. But um, well, the coordinator was Chris Howell. Anyway, but meanwhile, while all this is happening, the music is still continuing on, like nothing's happened. Oh yeah, right. Someone goes over the balcony. And- <laughs> oh gosh! And because oh. he goes out over the balcony, it is well done. It's a really good stunt. I that. Think. Is really well done. Yes, yeah, so like you said, at first you can tell it's the stunt man when it, when he goes over. But um, what, yeah, Bruce is hanging there. Now mm. they must have some scaffolding like right underneath that we can't see or something. Yeah, you can't really yeah. be hanging there. But yeah, it's, it's a great stunt. Kind of like hanging off the clock, you know. Yes, the scaffolding was kind of right underneath, but you can't see it. Yeah, it's great. And in the meantime, there's the Russian spies outside. You know, if we were just watching this for the first time, we wouldn't know if these were the good guys or the bad guys. Um, well, I guess. Well, no, anyway. we don't. Yeah, we wouldn't. Uh, well, we do now because they're at the theatre, so you assume they're the bad guys. Oh, maybe not. No, because I ask about the tickets. No, I don't think we know yet. We don't know until they see the passports. So, so in between all this, the scene cuts to the bad G woman and G man. Well, we don't know that mm-hmm. yet, but anyway, telling the yeah. ticket seller that their tickets were stolen. And of course, yeah. he says, "I can't help you," and that is final. <laughs> That's all he said. The poor bastard. Talk about like just giving him a couple of that's all he had to practice. That's all he had to practice yeah. when he got the script. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't help I you. Um well, we did it for days. Yeah. So in the middle of that, Maddie and David storm out of the theater with the usher in tow, uh-huh. ensuring that they leave. Let go of my arm. I can find my way out. And he's like, Maddie, don't speak to me again in this lifetime. Oh, she's angry. Yeah. Steam coming out of her yeah. ears. Yep. Unfortunately, David sticks the ticket stubs into the ashtray. How's the old ashtray with the sand? I know, yes. <laughs> and you can send it all in smoke. Love it's it. The 80s. And obviously they see that, so you don't see this happen, but bad G woman and bad G man obviously go and grab the tickets, realise that that's their tickets. So I'm assuming throughout the show they must follow them. Doesn't the yep. ticket seller think there's something going on with people wanting separate seats? Well, he was confused when when they were first purchased, and yeah, but yeah. then the seats won't be together. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so he catches up to her at the limo, which, by the way, mm-hmm. happens to be ready at the front. Okay. There's another limo parked in the street. Maybe this where limos parked. I don't know. Okay. Probably not in LA, but you know. Okay, so. so he's obviously hired it for the whole night to stay there and wait. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's normal. He opens the door. We can go in the next door and sneak in the second act of the ballet, and she gives him the most terrible daggers. <laughs> yes. And yeah. slams the car door, and I counted that as a slam. Okay. I've written here, do All we right. count it? Um. Sure. Sure. Why not? She slammed it right in his face. You now, know. One thing I did notice about before, you only see her for a split second, but when she before she slams the door, her hair yeah. is completely different. It's flat. 
Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. It's not as curly as it was. It looks better in my view, but yes, I know it's not that curly. Yeah, it's different, 100%. It looks um, more like hair, the hair that she had in the beginning and that cold open. Her hair was like that. That's, yeah. No, but I think it was even flatter. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have another look at it. Um, yeah, it's pretty flat. So that's door slam number seven. Um, okay. And the final words by David, I guess you've had enough culture for one evening, huh? Mm. <laughs> exactly. And again, sure she's yeah. left him on the footpath. How yeah. many times has she left yeah. him alone? <laughs> yeah. And just kind of left him. Or thrown him out of the car. A lot. Left him in the gutter. A lot. Get out of my car. Get out of my car. How many times has she not let him in the car? Get out get out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next morning and Maddie shows up to Blue Moon and, you know, yeah, Maddie's not so happy. And she slams the door when she comes in. Number eight. And she, okay. And she slams her office door. That's number nine. Slam all the doors. Number nine. I know that slam anywhere. Yeah. So David is there waiting. He's lying in wait for her, right? I mean, he was pretty much standing by her door waiting, like listening for her to come in. He got there early. So he was uh, feeling bad or? I think he's just waiting to see what her reaction is and he wants to talk to her about it. And he must have been there early because Agnes didn't even know he was there. And she said, Mr. Addison, I didn't know you were here. If he shows up like crack of dawn, he's not feeling good about what's going on with Maddie. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that mm. Beethoven music. That was Beethoven's Fifth Symphony in C minor. Mm. Um, and it was written yeah. between 1804 and 1808. And it's one of the best known compositions in classical music. Everybody, I suppose, would recognize it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is a classic scene. <laughs> Yes, this is this is all very classic. I love it. I just love it. David sticks his head in her office. Yo, Maddie. And she throws something of glass at the door and he slams the door shut. That's another door slam. So that's number 10. And I just love this because he turns to Agnes and he says, I guess I'll just mosey on in, stick the old cabeza in and say good morning. Yo, Maddie. Raw meat. But Agnes turns mm. around to see if she's got some. Actually, look, I know it's great. I mean, it's all Agnes being Agnes, Maddie being Maddie, and David being David, trying to be very nonchalant about, you know. It's so funny. It's like he's, you know, going to throw the meat into the lion's den. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, Maddie knew. They all know each other so well, or Maddie and David know each other so well, right? Like, she knew as soon as she came in and slammed the door, he'd be like making his way to her office and she was waiting to throw a glass cylinder at him. You know? But what I don't and get is pissed. eventually when he gets into her office, he should be sort mm-hmm. of bypassing the doorway because there should be glass on the ground. <laughs> True. But he walks straight in. True. Yeah. But he, he surrenders yeah. with a white hanky. And she does not throw her second cylinder. No, she likes to keep it there. And I like how everything's triangular, sort of on a diagonal with the the dress, the earrings, and the paperweight she's got or whatever it is. I know. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. 
Yes, very 80s with the triangle earrings. And she's got that, like frosted pink lipstick on, which I don't think is normally Maddie's. Okay. Isn't it more frosty than normal frosty pink? Her eyeshadow or something? I don't know. Every, she looks very 80s to me here. Hmm. Let me mention for a moment um, yes. this dress was mm -hmm. worn again. She wore, mm -hmm. she wore this dress again in season five, episode five. The episode's called Shirts and Skins. Sybil oh, yeah. wears this dress again, okay. um, but not all the way until season five. All right. Interesting. So, that's interesting. So they've kept it for a couple of years in, in the trailer. Yeah. It looks a, a little bit more faded or something. I don't know. It looks different. Um, she wears it again. Okay. You're very good with the outfits. I mean, it, yeah. It just looks, thank you. I try. But anyway, classic movie here. Maddie being violent, you know, grabbing him by the necktie, mm. hanging him up by the, the door, backing him up. She manhandles him like crazy, doesn't she? With this with his Yeah. But he also says at the beginning, you called? She's like, Addison. Did I call? Yes, I called. Yes, I, I called. I called you every name and every language I can think of, and a few I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'll be calling you an ambulance so, if you don't get out of my office. Yeah. So David's normal line is, you rang. Mm. But anyway, he can't say you rang here because it doesn't work with the jokes. You know, so I noticed that the response was like, yeah, you called, you called, you called? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so of course times. he makes it worse. Oh, is this about last night? Oh my God, David. No. What do you think it's about? And that's when she, that's when well, she grabs him. trying to minimize him. it. I like just love that physical like, comedy between them. She just grabs his tie and, and pulls him against the wall. And yep. oh, it's yeah. apropos and because he it. hates ties. <laughs> so he, that would have made it worse. by the tie. Yeah, the man who cried wife, right? She grabbed him by the tie there too. Like she's always grabbing his tie and she's always yes. throwing him around. She's always pushing him around. She's always, yeah. So yeah, it's very, the physical comedy, love it. She um, just wants him out of her office. In this scene, when Maddie grabs his tie and pulls him against the door, what happens is his yeah. left collar is left sticking up. Okay. Even after yeah. she lets go. For a while, the collar is still up, but then there's a cut straight to Bruce head on and it's down again. <laughs> I don't know. In the next cut, it's just down. Yeah. Without him touching it. Because I'm trying to remember if he adjusted it, but yeah, I guess not. It was just no. uh, from cut one cut to the other. No, he doesn't yeah, touch scene, it. That scene in the office is cut up quite a bit. So yeah, different days. You never know. That's right. <laughs> At least, you know, there's a master. <laughs> and then Bruce and Sybil, so I guess somewhere between the master and uh, Bruce's close-ups, he fixed mm -hmm. his collar. Yeah. And he admits that it's his fault and apologizes so that she will let go of his tie. You know, he's going, yeah, Mia Culpa. And then he says Robert Culpa, <laughs> the actor, Robert, Robert Culpa. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's good. Yeah. Yes. I want you to know, I understand, I know how you feel. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, David. Yeah. She explains it. Explains it. she's never felt so foolish, humiliate, humil humiliated, mortified, as she did last mm -hmm. night. And she was, um, she was held up to public ridicule, made a, made a laughing stock. And you want to know the worst part of it? I've only myself to blame. She knew it would happen. Mm -hmm. I saw the smoke signals yeah, referring to, yep. I'm assuming, referring to American Indians. She heard the drums, yeah, yeah. but she charged ahead anyway. Well, she learned her lesson, didn't she? 
If you want to hold on to your hair, you don't spend the evening with sitting bull. So I'm assuming yes. that's because I looked that up and that's, and I'm assuming she's referring to sitting bull, who was a hunk papa Lakota leader who led his people during years of resistance against the United States government policies. They don't know his date of birth, but they reckon it's around 1837 and he died in 1890. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to say about this scene is that when she says, if you want to hold on to your hair, that's one cut. And then she turns around and says, you don't want to spend the evening with sitting bull. It's obviously a different time that she says that. And it's a different tone. She says it yes. louder. And Did you notice that? And different hair. Different hair. And Her different hair, hair as well. Totally yes, totally changes. <sighs> And I think the blinds change behind her as well. I think, yeah, it's it's all set up in a different way. And yes, oh, it's okay. like they had to refilm it or something. Different tone. Yes. Sounds different. Louder, like you said. Her hair is different from one to the other. It's parted to her right. And then when she turns around, it's like parted kind of in the middle. like a, kind yep. of a, And yeah. I think the blinds in the background are kind of different. And yeah. yeah. And if you want to hang on to your hair, as in other words, if you don't want to be scalped, which oh, okay. is a thing that happened with American Indians like yeah yeah so basically if you don't want to be scalped you don't spend the evening with sitting bull so a lot of American Indian references there okay if you want to hold on to your hair you don't spend the evening with sitting bull but David just wants to gloss past all that like okay so what's cooking for tonight he's over it he's over the lecture he's over her being mad and he's just like okay but we're going out tonight too right yeah and she's like tonight and he's like tonight's the fun evening i figure we go by my place shoot a couple of beers then go hit a dry heaves down at the zero club (laughs) now i looked that up there was was a zero club okay and are the dry heaves uh, a band i don't know i thought he was just gonna gonna puke or something i don't know yeah or they're going to puke. Tonight's the fun evening. I figure we go by my place, shoot a couple beers, and then go here to dry heaves down at the Zero Club. There was a Zero Club. It looks like it's a very alternate type thing. It's at West Sunset Boulevard. So I don't know if it's still there, but anyway. Okay. That's that. Let me see um, if there's a band called the Dry Heaves. Um, <laughs> formed in 1979, it features the Dry Heaves. Yes, there are. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a band in the mid-80s. Oh, okay. So I think. He said something about here the dry heaves down the zero club. So yeah. Now why is David trying to plan the evening? Maddie's supposed to plan the fun evening. So he shouldn't be saying what they're gonna do. That's true. I never thought of that. Yeah. So step off, David. So she can't believe that he wants her to take him out for a fun evening. You actually expect me to go out with you again after having had the worst time two people can have together short of a bone marrow transplant? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. think that's funny, Shauna. I do. I like it. I like how she says it. And then uh, it's a different cut, and they're like kind of standing nose to nose. Yeah. And he says something. Like, yes, definitely. That is exactly what I am saying. But he's a little disappointed that she's reneging on the deal they made, and she doesn't want to take yeah. him anywhere. A fun evening for a fine evening. He believes that he put up his end of the bargain. And now we have some overlapping dialogue. So this part is really good. I'm going to read out what he says, and then I'm going to read out what she says, and then I'll put in the snippet as they, right? So David says, I did my part. I showed you that fine evening. Now you're saying just because of a simple twist of fate, a fluke of happenstance, all bets are off, all deals are null and void, 
and that you don't have to keep your word. Even after I went to all that trouble I did without getting as much as a quick feel at the door. (laughs) That's what he says. And at the same time, she says, you call that a fine evening? Simple twist of fate. Nothing is simple with you. Twisted is more like it. And as for our deal, the only way you could get me to go through with it is where there is plenty of rope and a bottle of chloroform. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, a quick what? Yeah, his quick, quick fill the door. Quick what? A fun evening for a fine evening. And I did my part. I showed you that fine evening. You call it a fine evening. But now you're saying that just because of a simple twist of fate, a fluke of happenstance, nothing is simple with you. All deals are null and void. And that you don't have to keep your word. Even after I went through all the trouble I did without getting as much as a quick feel at the door. A quick what? And Agnes walks in without knocking. Yeah. Can't she hear their arguing? Yeah. Excuse me. What? I know, I love that. There's, the FBI is here to see you. Oh, FBI. Funny. When Sybil says, saying the dialogue for Bruce and I was like cliff diving, like you have yep. to be so in sync. Yep. This episode is such a good example of that. Throughout the this scene here in the middle, they they have to say so many things together. Yeah. Mm. And couldn't possibly imagine how many times I would have had to practice that to get the timing right so that right at the end, he had to end it at a certain time and then she'd say a quick what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they did it that many times. I think they were just good at doing it. I don't think they had time to do it that many times. Mm. You know, didn't have Jay say that? Jay Daniel, when he was on the, the show, on the podcast, he was saying it was so spontaneous to, like, even to them. It was like the first time they were saying it and they would just, like, learn it and deliver it and it was all very fresh mm-hmm. and spontaneous because they didn't have time to rehearse, say it, practice it over and over again, overthink it. Yeah, I think I think they did all of these things like Yeah, it's amazing. They're great. <laughs> oh, 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 I love this with Agnes. Something about a vital national importance. <laughs> did they say why? Just that it's of the utmost urgency and of vital national importance. <laughs> <laughs> like something of it's so good. That is so like a subtle funny thing you know yeah. the most so, important stuff and she's like barely remember <laughs> it's so good it there's so good. many funny things in here there's so many yeah maddie is really curious as to why the fbi is there can't wait until we're done arguing mr pesto even yeah. though that's another funny thing it's just like a vital national importance and utmost urgency and it's like we're going to continue our fight and maddie's like show them in <laughs> yeah it's obviously great. it's not important there's, there's to him. so many no nope, he wants to finish this argument And Maddie, of course, says, show them in, even though he wants to continue fighting. And she does her grunt. I love it. Mm -hmm. And they probably have a dog named G-Spot. Is that where? um... Okay. So the bad agents come in. We don't know they're bad agents yet, but Dayton and Gregory walk in and David says, G-Man and G-Woman probably got a dog named (laughs) G-Spot. So good. That's a definite past the censors. Even if they heard it, they didn't get that the first time. No. From what we saw in that interview, Sybil was so crass. Yes. Like that's probably something Sybil would say in real life. Abs- you know? Oh, absolutely. Yes. She probably liked that dialogue, but she couldn't say it. It had to be David, you know? She loved it. Yes. All right. So the agents want some information off Maddie and David about their experience at the symphony last night, whether something unusual happened. No, last night was par for the course. As she looks at David. <laughs> I love it. He's looking down like a little bit sheepish. 
Yeah. So the agents state that one of their agents was to receive a drop from an informant at the concert hall and there was a seating mix-up. So they think that Maddie and David received the information by mistake. Now, the agents don't know what type of information it might be, a word, a piece of film, it could be anything. They need the information immediately in order to stop a major international incident. And, of course, they're saying they don't remember anything, they didn't get anything, and they're going, yeah. sure, positive. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and then now, Agnes pops in. <laughs> so before Agnes pops yeah. in. Yeah. So Agent Dayton is uh, Will McMillan. Uh, he was yeah. the first name that come up on the credits. Okay. Well-known actor. He goes back to 1963 where he was in General Hospital, believe it or not. Yeah, the usual TV shows. Amazingly, he wasn't in um, Remington Steel. <laughs> wow. I missed that one. Yeah, Beverly Hills, NYPD Blue. He was in West Wing. Oh, I don't remember that. I'll have to look up that episode. Oh, well, there you go. But he's mainly known for The Enforcer, Salvador, Bad Girls, and The Crazies. So that is Will McMillan. So that's the bad FBI agent. And then Linda Thorson is Agent Gregory. And, ah, oh, you know who she is? She replaced Diana Rigg in The Avengers. Do you remember The Avengers? English, English yeah. show? Yeah. So she took over from her. And... In the Avengers, her character was called Tara King. Okay. And she took Tara from Gone with the Wind, the name. Oh. Yeah, it was interesting. Okay. How funny, yeah. Yeah. Another reference that leads back to Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And Tara. Two Taras in one episode. And then she took the, the surname King from the nineteen sixty four movie King and Country, which starred Dirk Bogard, which was a World War One movie. Okay. Oh, and Frank Sinatra was godfather to her son. There you go. Oh, wow. Hmm. Part of Hollywood royalty. What were we up to, my darling? All right, so Agnes comes in. Excuse me. What? Could I talk to the two of you for a minute? It's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing here, you know, of course, David's like, excuse us, might be a, must be an emergency. Probably ran out of staples. <laughs> um, but the one thing I notice is, Maddie grabs her purse. Usually when they're called out of the office. Yes. Into the main office. Like, why would Maddie bring a purse? You know, she never like grabs her purse before she, you know what I mean? Kind of funny. That's yeah, that's true. But it's obviously needed for the next scene because they got to leave. And the other yeah. thing going ahead of ourselves, the other thing is mm -hmm. when they go to leave, his jacket happens to be outside on the hat stand. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. On the coat rack. Oh, yep, that's, that's funny. True. It's funny. So, yeah, they're kind of setting it up. The other thing I noticed about this scene is that it's all cut to pieces. They're not together with the agents until he says about the staples. Mm. Then they're in the same cut. Yeah. Otherwise, they're yep. all separate. There's never a white shot of all four of them now. Yeah. And, you know, it's always a little bit awkward about how they're standing and where they're looking and stuff like that. It always seems to be a little bit unnatural, you know, when they're not in the same room. So they walk into the outer office and Agnes says, the FBI is here to see you. This is the only place I noticed that Maddie's hair is different from when they were in the office. Um, mm, okay. And yep. David says, you screw your curlers a little too tight, Agnes, as if Agnes needs curlers. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. The FBI is here to see you. You 
screw your curlers in a little too tight, Agnes? No, really. There's another T in your office. And Maddie goes, Another G woman? Another G man? G Willikers. And Sybil rolled her eyes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Symphony and Knocked Flat Part 2. Make sure to join us next week for Part 3. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.